You're listening to Say It Out Loud, Tackling Tough Topics Together, a podcast from LSUS Counseling Services. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for counseling and topics discussed may be sensitive for some listeners. If you are an LSUS student and need support, email us at counseling at lsus.edu. As a reminder, all guest views are their own and do not speak for the Counseling Services Office, the university, or mental health profession as a whole. You say what you want to say. the first episode of our new podcast series in counseling services at LSUS. Say it out loud, tackling tough topics together. So I am here with the rest of our counseling services staff and we're going to introduce ourselves um, with our first episode today. Um, but first we want to just talk about why we're doing this and how it came about and um, let you know just in general um, what we hope you can get out of it. So I'll introduce myself. My name is Angie Pellerin and I am a counselor here in Counseling Services and the rest of uh, our staff members and fellow podcasters may want to introduce themselves. Yep, I'm Kendall Riddell, another counselor here. Hi, and I'm Piper Todd, the counseling intern. Um, I'm Melissa Garza, I'm the student worker and certified peer educator. And you are what major? Um, I'm pre-occupational therapy at um, community health. Yeah, here's a student at LSUS. So we're excited to have uh, multiple perspectives here from our professional staff and our student staff too. Um, so yeah, what we're trying to accomplish with, with this series, uh, we know with, with COVID and having to do a lot of things remotely, um, people are just burned out of just zooming in to things. But the ideal benefit to this particular uh, series, we'll be able to upload these onto YouTube and then you can access this through the YouTube app on your phone. You maybe wanna listen on a walk or a jog with your earbuds um, at your convenience. You don't need to watch, you can just listen, but feel free to watch as well. Um, and that'll be accessible to you anytime at your convenience. And I hope help you feel more connected to the university because we are getting student perspectives on everything that we talk about. So today, our first episode um, based on student topic submission is gonna be dealing with um, student stress over the political, current political climate that's going on right now. Um, but I just want you to know why we're here. We're here to support you and your growth and, and your well-being in general. And we are committed to this being a non-judgmental space with acceptance and understanding. So some of the topics that come in, they're anonymously submitted and they're really tough topics. That's why we, we caught our little subtitle, tackling tough topics together. Um, sometimes they'll be kind of touchy, sensitive subjects, but we want people to feel like this is a place where we can be open about that say it out loud. That's why we're, we're here to say it out loud and really talk about difficult things that we have trouble talking about. Um, so our goal is to hear from you about your struggles, relevant topics, 
that are timely. I think political stress is certainly timely. Um, and to really provide you not only a forum where we can discuss these things, but coping strategies on how to deal with it, because some of these are things we just cannot change. So it's really a matter of changing our perception and that influences our own well-being. So that is why we are here. So today's uh, first topic was based on one submission. And a lot of our submissions are kind of lengthy. So we kind of sum it, sum it down just to get to the heart, the meat of the matter. Um, so the question this person asked, how to deal with people who think everything has to be political. Um, so I don't know how far we'll get into how to deal with the people this episode. I think this might end up being a two-parter, but we'll see where, where our conversation goes. Um, but the political stress right now is kind of where we're going. So we got these submissions, we narrowed down this topic for this first episode. And Alyssa, why don't you tell us a little bit more where you went from there? Okay. so. Um... I decided to conduct a student-wide um, poll slash survey. Um, we asked the question, what word would you use to describe your feelings about the upcoming election? Um, we kind of thought that would get a overall view and idea of how people are feeling um, about the upcoming election. Um, this uh, graphic right here that Miss Angie just shared is um, pretty much all of the words that we got and what came in. Um, the ones that are bigger are the ones that more people participated with. So you can see anxious, hopeful, things like that are bigger. Um, our top three responses, um, number one was hopeful and anxious. Number two was scared and hopeless. And number three was concerned. Um, I also kind of provided a little visual of a pie graph here, kind of the percentages on who voted for what and who submitted what. Um, but yeah, um, overall, I think we had a pretty large amount of participants who kind of had a mixed feelings about the upcoming election from, you know, kind of maybe negative and positive viewpoints. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's a level of emotional maturity when we get to a point where we can sit with these conflicting emotions. Um, you can be angry with someone that you love at the same time, you know, so the top answers were hopeful and anxious. Um, and I think students could have submitted more than up to three, yes. maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so someone could submit, the same person could have submitted both hopeful and anxious. Mm -hmm. But what do you guys think about all those? And most of these, I guess, were a little more negative. There were a few positive ones, which I was honestly surprised but relieved to see. Yeah. Yeah, I felt the, the same way because um, I have been looking for more of the negative responses, you know, negative just as far as fear goes and, and having you know, a lot of emotionality about what's going on. Um, but yeah, to see the hopeful, it was actually kind of reassuring because it reminded me again that like, it's not, there's not always a stark duality or polarity of like, you know, it's either good or bad, you know, there's, even though it's fraught times and there's a lot of intense, you know, feelings about the future, what's going to happen, you know, that doesn't mean that you know, some of us aren't still hopeful that things, you know, will get better, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting too, if we ask this, this kind of question, what's your number one go-to response to, to give? And if someone's initial response was hopeful, that, that, that says something. Yeah, that's great. 
with some of these scared, anxious, troubled, concerned, frustrated, exhausted. I'm right there with you. Whoever sub submitted that one, <laughs> exhausted. Oh, I like ready for it to be over. <laughs> ready, yeah, more than one word, ready for it to be over. I mean, that sums it all up for sure. But we also have engaged and informed. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really good. I think there's uh, a lot of, if you watch the news, a lot being said for there's way more voter turnout already. This has been a really monumental year that is coming to a head with this election. Um, so we're all excited. We were um, exhausted already, <laughs> I think, because of everything else going on. But I'm really happy to see students submitting these answers to this poll. I think it was a great idea to poll them. Um, and I'm really excited that they, these are honest, and I think we all, I'm gonna be honest with you, I think I feel every single one of these, you know, all together, which is exhausting just to feel so much, right? Um, so we'll move from here and go on to uh, Piper, who, who did some research for us and she can provide a little to us about that. Yeah, I, okay. Well, I kind of wanted just to touch on just that what we were just talking about. I kind of found it hopeful that, you know, these college age students are saying positive things, even though there was, you know, maybe more negative than positive, but five people um, wrote hopeful, but then you had all the negatives. So I thought that was hopeful. <laughs> they wrote hopeful. Um, but yeah, so this year has been crazy. And I was doing some research and I found that compared, you know, to last election in 2016, that the overall stress of the United States measured to be 52% in voters. And this year it has increased to 68%, mm -hmm. uh, which I guess I'm not finding too shocking, but something I did find shocking was that the stress level just from 2019 was 66%, and then to, uh, 2020 was 77%. So I found that shocking, but Again, uh, after I sat with it and then thought about it, I was thinking about, okay, COVID happened and um, racially everything happened. And I can see why 2020, the stress level went up significantly. But after doing so much research and, you know, watching the news very, not, not that much, I have like made a plan um, every week to watch the news for like 30 minutes a day, not too much. Um, but every time I do, I keep hearing about like this voting plan and have like a voting day plan and it's like very detailed. So if you're a person with a planner, great. But if you're not, I think this would be a good day to, you know, get one or write it in your notes on your phone or whatever's convenient for you. But uh, I mean, it's, it's been proven whenever you do have a plan time by time, hour by hour, uh, you are less anxious and, you know, less nervous, less stressed. Uh, and so I guess just first thing is just know where you're going to vote and exactly what time down to like, okay, 1.30 or, you know, something like that. But expect, and another thing that's really important, important is being extremely active that day, not sitting on the couch or, you know, scrolling through your phone, like get out, go to the park, um, go see a friend don't, you know, don't just sit there because that's probably not going to be a good idea. But those are kind of the main things to stay active and have a very 
detail of plan for that day. Um, and it will lessen your anxiety, stress, nervousness, uh, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. And I, I want to kind of chime in on that. Um, some people are doing early voting, you know, that's been open for a, I don't know how long, a week or two, something. Yeah. Alyssa, you went last week. What was yes. that like? Yes, I went last week. <laughs> and you said you got in and out of there in like 20 or 30 minutes, maybe? Oh, yeah, it was very quick. And actually, I know how like Piper told me or told us that, um, you know, you can you should stay active after that day. Don't kind of like dwell on, you know, the whole thing. And my friends and I, after I went, we went and kind of had a small conversation about it. You know, this is what we voted for. This is why, you know, kind of chimed in. And then from there, you know, we just kind of went on, went on with our day. We didn't really, you know focus on we focused on what could be positive and the things that we were advocating for and things like that yeah totally I, I talked to a friend of mine this weekend who is in another state and she's also a counselor and she went one day last week and and she said she felt a degree of relief just getting that done um and, and the way she worded it was something like it helped her feel like some sense of control in her part and what it can be and it's you know there are plenty of people who don't vote who choose not to sometimes feel like they don't their vote doesn't count they part of the stress that we're feeling is this idea of powerlessness right mm -hmm. and we can reinforce those feelings by choosing to not vote because we feel powerless mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of a cycle mm -hmm. um but I thought it was interesting that my friend said she felt some relief that she got that accomplished and, um, you know, felt a little bit of control and personal power in that, that act, you know, which is I actually, act. yeah, I actually felt really nervous going in and I felt really out of place because this was my first time voting. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so when I went in, I, I said, there's a lot of older people around me and I was like, I don't feel right. Like for, I feel like they're going to tell me, no, you're too young, but I know I'm old enough to do it. Mm -hmm. So when I went up there, um, I actually went to the little voting booth to actually vote. And this older lady came up to me and I guess she was kind of helping out. And she was like, is this your first time voting? And I was like, yes, ma'am. She was like, well, if you need any help, let me know. We're here to answer any questions. I was like, thank you. So it was actually really inviting. Like it kind of like, you know, made me feel a little bit more calm about the whole scenario and so it was, it was a good experience for my first time. <laughs> yeah, I may have put you on the spot a little bit since this is your first time to vote. And this is, we'll kind of get into this a little more, how this particular election cycle has been a little more stressful or a lot more stressful, yes. perhaps because of COVID, perhaps because of some of the, the political dynamics at play. But this would, with this being your first time to vote, how does that how, how does that feel for you as a new voter? Well, I think I kind of kept up with the um, election that was going on in 2016. Of course, I couldn't vote then. But now that I could, it was more like, okay, I can, my vote will make a difference. So <laughs> if I choose not to, that's going to make a difference. And if I do, it also is going to make a difference. And it was actually really kind of, I it was kind of exciting because a lot of college students now, especially, can vote so there's a lot of like advocacy for voting right now and it's a really big thing it's almost and i hate to use this word but it's almost trendy like <laughs> going to vote so like everybody's out there saying you need to vote this and that and i see a lot of people my age that are going out there you know mm -hmm. doing a lot of things to promote voting so i think that definitely caught my attention and definitely kind of made me think about how important it is to do it and it made me actually feel like 
part of something really big because I, you know, this is this selection could be something that's in our history books years from now and my kids will be reading about and looking, uh, looking at. So honestly, I was definitely very, I'm very anxious still because, you know, I don't know the results yet, but I'm, it's relieving and exciting to know that I'm part of something really big and I could be part of something really big. So that's awesome. And also if you have children and you talk to them about it, you can be able to say you had a part in that. Yes. That's that's very empowering. Yeah. Super empowering. Um, and, and the, the, news and everything is showing so many more young people are turning out too. Mm-hmm. And you, you hear the, the political pundits talk about what happened last time and what, you know, there weren't as many younger people. And I don't know, I think, I think the impact of our government and um, the political system in general has really been highlighted with COVID mm-hmm. and every, all the other stuff, the racial injustice and social, um, things that happened this summer, especially that, you know, have been going on, but certainly we're even stronger this year. So there's just a lot more need for us to have a voice and, and show our power in whatever way we can. And that is in a vote too. And I hope people understand the emotional benefits of that voice that you have when you feel like you have no power, you know? Um, so we'll get into some of that, uh, some of the emotional impact of this year, though, I think just in terms of COVID is in, we don't know when the end is going to come. It has impacted us in so many ways. The, the, the election too, we've had hurricanes, we've had wildfires. Um, if anybody watches the news, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff happening that's not helping you feel any better when you, when you watch it. So this feeling of uncertainty, I think that's a big powerful one. We as counselors talk about that, being able to sit with uncertainty and not necessarily knowing everything that's going to happen next week or next month or next year, how we're able to, to, to find a sense of control and security in, within all of this uncertainty. Um, so I wanna clarify for some people because this has come up recently. There's a phrase, and Piper, you may have seen this in your research, election stress disorder. It's not an actual disorder. It's not a diagnosable thing, but it was coined four years ago in the last election because that was a pretty pretty divisive election as many elections are, but that one was, I think, more so in a lot of ways. So it's not an actual disorder, but we can talk about stress related to an election and specific feelings that people have and experiences that they have, like being obsessed with the news, and of social media. A lot of feelings of anger and frustration that come out of that. Possibly conflicts with people that you know that have differing viewpoints, um, irritability, maybe trouble sleeping, maybe just feeling high stress all the time. Um, And what do we often do when we uh, feel a lot of stress and anger? Um, You know, we can talk about this in a second, but we just feed it a little bit more with our searching on media and stuff. But I wanted to define stress for everyone. It's not an emotion. It is a physiological reaction in the body. Um, So whatever stressor that's in our environment, you know, it could be uh, fear, it could be excitement, it could be um, 
you know, any number of things that we find stressful, an exam coming up, for example, whatever it is, um, it activates the fight or flight response in our bodies. There are certain hormones involved in that. And when we get those stress hormones kicking in, our bodies want us to move. And that movement could be to run away from this monster that our brain is perceiving, even though the monster could be something on social media that has upset us. And we're not running, we're sitting, looking at our phone or our TV. The stress hormones are kicking in and we feel these physical sensations in our bodies. And if we don't have a way, an outlet for that, it impacts us in a number of emotional ways. Um, but the thing is, our brain is not really wired to understand the difference between a physical threat that's life or death, like an animal attacking or, you know, a burglar attacking you or something, versus these sort of imaginary threats that we create for ourselves based on some negative comment on social media, for example. Our brain doesn't perceive those any differently. So um, what happens is we tend to lose the rational part of our brain kind of, kind of, I don't know, destimulates and then the emotional part of the brain is stimulated to react. And so we end up losing kind of rational perspective and our ability to think clearly, cognitive functioning of decision-making. And what also happens in that process is our ability to be more compassionate and empathetic shuts down too. So what happens then? We have a lot of conflict, right? We can't understand someone else's perspective. We can't, uh, we don't even want to see their point of view, you know? Um, so then that's where anger kicks in. And anger is an interesting emotion that um, oftentimes is very justifiable. If someone has disrespected me, I'm gonna feel angry and I need to speak up for myself and assert myself. Anger can be good. But oftentimes, anger is a response to fear. In fact, we see fear and anger often together. They can be like, you know, cousins or siblings in a way. Um, but anger can be this externalizing emotion where we can project it outwardly, which feels it's easier to feel than fear or guilt or shame or, you know, grief, those kinds of things. Anger is just easier to feel than fear. So, you know, we could step back and realize we are feeling fear right now, but to understand if you're feeling a lot of anger, that's probably what's happening in the brain. It's not good nor bad, but it's often, you know, unhealthy at times. I mean, any of you feel anger when you're dealing with news and social media? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think it can be completely triggering. And I think it's good to talk about this and just think about when you're sitting at home, like in your safe space and you're on your couch with your dog or, you know, and you're feeling good. And then to just be able to just flip past the channel or get on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or something and to immediately be hit with something that triggers a domino effect of emotion, you know, when you're in your happy place. So it's, it's good to think about how lightning fast it happens and that you feel anger and fear before you've even registered it. And then you're holding these heavy emotions. And a lot of times I think what we're dealing with as a society is we don't know what to do with our heavy emotions, you know, so we're not always making the best choices. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that resonates for me. Yeah. And I guess if you, if you react to mm -hmm. something you see on social media, some people 
will take the effort to make a negative comment mm -hmm. on social media. And I, I guess maybe there's a reward to that. If maybe it feels good, maybe we feel more powerful, mm -hmm. more in control when we are feeling not in control and that's a way to feel control. Sure, um, yeah. But I don't know if it helps anything, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I can see people getting really emotional about social media stuff. I'm like, well, you know, maybe if you don't want to feel that way, don't look at it. <laughs> you know, it is within your control, you know, and people forget that. But I think sometimes we seek it for those feelings of needing mm -hmm. to feel control. There's also a tendency to feel threatened by others who have differing values. For some reason, um, our personal identity is wrapped around things, including political ideology. And if someone just has a different belief, we for some reason perceive that as a threat and and learning to be okay with people having different viewpoints and not feeling mm -hmm. so emotional and threatened by that assuming everybody's respectful again if someone's yelling at you about it um that's a whole different whole different whole different thing but the other thing attached to politics is a lot of the issues that come up and the politicians talk about really do impact us in a, in a life or death way in terms of we perceive it as our life is in danger. You know, if I choose a particular candidate, this may impact my health care. Um, my, you know, if we're talking about abortion rights, it may impact something like that. It may impact whether my child can get a good education. You know, these are things that really are important issues. So I think there's a more likelihood that we're going to feel more threat around political choices too. So that's another thing to think about. Um, but you know, uh, one thing to really ask ourselves is why, why do politics make us so angry? <laughs> Anybody have any ideas? I, mean, I honestly, I think it might have to do with our personal experiences, our beliefs, our religion, our like cult uh, cultural upbringing. Like, I think that has a lot to do with the things that you value and that might alter what you think one politician believes is right. Like, I, I think that has a lot to do with it um, because I mean, I've grown up in a lot of different places and a lot of the beliefs and the way they do things and their values are really different. And sometimes I had to get accustomed to like, okay, I don't think that's right, but you know, that's just the way they do it here. So, I mean, and I can't change that, but I can, you know, I don't have to completely be open arms to the idea, but you know, I can be like, you know what? I'm different, they're different. Some of the things I may do, they may not agree with. So I, I, th I think it has a lot to do with that though. Yeah, I think our exposure to different differing mm -hmm. beliefs, if we've had lack of exposure, then, and perhaps the messages we've received too, mm -hmm. if someone is, um, I'm just gonna have to come up with a label for something. Um, if someone drives a hybrid car, then they must be a hippie, which must mean, XYZ, whatever, you know, you can come up with a label about a person. Um, does that make it a bad person for driving a hybrid car? <laughs> you know, um, but you know, sometimes it is, we just have these perspectives that we don't even know the person, right? You've been in other cultures and you understand that this different country does things in a different way. And so just appreciating these different cultural beliefs does not necessarily make a threat to us, but but it does, like you said, depend on your experiences, the messages you received growing up, perhaps, um, the kind of people, the groups that you surround yourself with. If everyone has the same beliefs, mm -hmm. 
then it's that much harder maybe to understand other people's beliefs. I don't know. Um, being open to those conversations without attacking and, and, and arguing, but really having curious conversations is something we might get into in another episode. <laughs> um, but there's this other idea of it's politics really are about sides, us versus them, liberal versus Democrat, even though there are other parties. <laughs> um, sometimes it still ends up being those two sides. And Kendall and Piper as counselors, and, and we talk about black and white thinking, you know, um, how we can kind of get stuck and not appreciate the gray in the middle, um, all or nothing thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're either good or you're evil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're either you know, with actually, us or you're against us. <laughs> when Alyssa was talking about her experience, I was thinking about that because I'm obsessed with cognitive distortions and those filters. And, you know, I was like, wow. You know, I think her experience was a good example of, of kind of the ideal we want to strive for, which is the gray area, not the black or white, not that I'm either being forced to change, you know, my value system or override it or, you know, to submit or um, overhaul. But it's this idea of, you know, that gray area is kind of, I think, being rational enough to be able to judge you know, am, I need to pick and choose my battles, you know, like what is meaningful enough with my value system to, to fight for and work towards? And then what, you know, what do I just kind of assimilate, you know, with, or, you know, kind of like not everything can be fought, but I think when our emotions get in the mix, it's blinding because the fear and ang anger is in the driving seat. And it's just, that's an exhausting, overwhelming place to be yeah and i think too um sometimes we just don't want to see the gray because that's the uncertainty that's the place of powerlessness but it doesn't have to be but i think we perceive it that way um so sometimes the fear that we have sort of i don't know force is the right word compels us to move over to this other side and stand firm and put our feet down and and, and this is who we are we have to stand yeah. up for ourselves in some way um because yeah, fear kind of like perpetuates an inflexibility you know mm -hmm. whether it's like, oh i'm so afraid i can't move forward or i won't change my mind or i won't even look over there and see what it's like you know so that's i think that's what what you're saying yeah and the other idea too is especially when it comes to news media and politics um you know it is what we say feeds the beast so we have an uh, concept in psychology called confirmation bias some of you probably have heard of that in your classes and stuff um but if you haven't it's kind of where we seek information specifically to confirm our beliefs so if I am a liberal and I am seeking information to say that all conservatives are horrible people, that's what I'm gonna find um, on the news and on social media. We also have media conglomerates that are geared that way. We have a more liberal channel and a more conservative channel and blah, blah, blah. And so that may be the only one you watch that also feeds that kind of confirmation bias. And the other concept of negative filters, it's kind of similar, right? We tend to see the negative. Yeah. We filter our world and our perception on all the negatives. So that makes us not want to see the good and the people who have different beliefs. Sometimes we want to see them as bad people. Therefore, 
you know, feeding this negative emotional response to differences of view that aren't necessarily about good and evil, you know, um, but it just feeds that, that divisiveness that we certainly see in social media a lot. I wanted to bring up this idea, and I think I'm going to screen share this one. Um, it's called the River of Wellbeing, and I'll, I'll screen share it in a second. Um, but it's this sort of optimal zone for um, stress where we can still function and stress helps us to achieve our goals. We don't get too overstimulated and overwhelmed. It keeps us moving forward. Um, so it's what we would consider an optimal stress level. And what you mentioned earlier, Kendall, flexible thinking <laughs> um, and responses to situations in our environment. So this is kind of where we are able to regulate our emotions, re regulate our physical arousal, but we can be in between, let me do the screen share. We can be in between, um, so is that showing up? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. So we can in, be in between uh, the, the window of tolerance, which is where we're more adaptable in chaos and rigidity. I'm gonna start with chaos. Um, this is the hypo arousal zone. So this is where our freeze stress response is activated. This is where we feel a total lack of control. So a sense of powerlessness. This might be a person who chooses not to vote if we're talking about politics because they feel like their vote doesn't count. Um, sometimes this is where we, what we call maladaptive coping, numbing behaviors, numbing, um, it could be emotional eating, it could be, you know, drinking, but it also could be, I'm just gonna avoid the news and not be informed because I don't wanna hear about it, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's part of, part of the chaos factor. And that's an, that's an actual phrase, chaos factor. Um, but this is where we would have a lot of depression, which is just a shutting down of the stress response a little bit, you know, and the anxiety. The rigidity side of, it's the, um, if we're talking about the river, the, you have the two banks that you, as you wave back and forth in your optimal zone of window of tolerance, sometimes you're going to bounce back and forth in these different river banks. The rigidity one is, I think, what comes up for us when we're talking about politics more, um, at least when you know the person's comment, the student who suggested this topic, the hyper arousal zone. This is where that fight or flight response kicks in. And so that's when we feel, as you said earlier, Kendall, more inflexible. And it's also where this need to be in control in some way kicks in. And these are responses to deal with our fears. You know, fear in political sense is, uh, you know, um, whatever about healthcare or whatever, whatever it is that we, the stance we take in our politics and our political ideologies, someone else's differing views makes us feel threatened and there's a fear involved there. And we, that rigidity, that inability to think clearly and to have perspective and to feel, um, empathy and compassion for others around us kind of gets sidewind. Um, and so we feel like we need to control something and that's where the anger comes in. And that's where we throw the comments on social media or argue with a family at, at holidays or whatever, whatever it is. Um, and we just need to feel control and part of that is through anger. And that's an increased emotional reactivity. We're not controlling our emotions in those moments, that lack of emotion regulation. So this is 
being very rigid in these beliefs and perceptions and not, not being flexible to even hear another point of view. Um, so it's less adaptable. And we see that in that hypervigilance behavior, which is what we call it in psychology, but it's, for example, doom scrolling. We are searching the, the news feed for the negative stuff to reinforce these fears that reinforce our anger. And all of these are things that we have control over though, but we, we feel a power and control by doing it, but it also makes us feel more powerless. It's, it's really a crazy cycle. What do you guys think about that? Well, my, I'll just talk. My initial thought is just, you know, it's not that there's any blame for it at all, because, you know, when you, there is temptation, right? When you're scro scrolling and you see those headlines, like everything is designed to get a reaction out of you, you know, whether it's to just keep you on the app, which the some social dilemma taught me, um, <laughs> or, you know, or just like a political agenda or just get your wild up, whatever it is, you know, it's, you know, I think it's just good to have the knowledge going forward to be more prepared next time you're kind of having low energy and just wanting to escape. Maybe you're just decompressing, you know, from your busy day and you're not looking for it to become a big, you know, emotional thing, but that's what you have to be mindful of that even probably when you're kind of at your lowest and unguarded, that's when you can kind of stumble upon something that can really, you know, trigger you in a heartbeat. And then again, I want to, you know, encourage everyone to move from a place of powerlessness to feeling empowered to see something as it is and to walk away from it if you, if that's better for you. So like you're, in, you're engaged, you're triggered, and then you're full of anger and fear. And it's like, I love that river, you know, model kind of thinking about even if you sit and you take a breath and go, well, which way am I going with this? I'm like mid-sentence, you know, I'm sending something to my aunt. You know what I mean? Like, you think about it. Um, okay, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll pause. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, something that you said about is it, do we really need to convince someone else of another belief? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, I, I can have, really, I think, healthy, engaging conversations with people, and, and a number of my friends have differing, certainly political beliefs, religious beliefs, whatever, um, and as long as we have these open conversations and respect each other for our differing beliefs, I get some really good perspective in having those conversations, but if, and I've had this happen to me before, if I have someone who is continuously trying to prove me wrong and to tell me why my beliefs are wrong and what's wrong with them, I mean, I don't get upset because I don't, I just don't, but some people do. And, and it's understandable because that's disrespectful. Um, and so if you don't, I mean, if you think of it as my choice of the flavor of ice cream that I like, let's just change it to something like that. Whether I prefer mint chocolate chip and I hate Rocky Road because I don't like nuts Someone may think I'm crazy for not liking Rocky Road, but does it hurt you <laughs> that I don't like Rocky Road? <laughs> um, Only if it's cookie dough. Then, then we yeah, well, no, cookie dough I like too. Um, <laughs> and some people think that's disgusting, but I, you know, <laughs> I just buy cookie dough for the cookie dough. I don't bake those cookies. <laughs> you know? um, and my mom thinks I'm crazy. She doesn't like Parmesan cheese and I put it on everything. Um, but we still love each other. <laughs> and, you know, uh, even though she thinks Parmesan cheese stinks and 
<laughs> always makes a comment about it. Um, you know, still, we I don't need to like the things she likes or, you know, have the same tastes as her to have a good relationship and, you know, uh, supportive relationship with respect for each other. Um, and I just think it's kind of funny that I'm annoying her with my Parmesan cheese, you know. So if we think of it in terms of even our politics, um, but again, politics are more attached to our identity. And we I was thinking of kind of like, I was picturing kind of like a stair step, you know, going from uh, least personal to most personal. And I was thinking like the ice cream, I do get a little peeved if someone doesn't like cookie dough because I don't understand it, you know? <laughs> but I let it go. I don't, I don't think I think much more about it. <laughs> but then I thought a step down or a step up, whichever way you want to go, to like when I've recommended books to someone or movies that I love, you know, characters that I love, and I think this is a beautiful work of art or just something moving or exciting and, and unique. And when someone I care about hates it, you know, not just doesn't like it, hates it. So I kind of was thinking of those steps. And then you get into, you know, politics, and really it's just like this gradient of meaning and value. And the closer we get to those things that, that we value, the more it represents, it's almost like you can't separate it from who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the fire that's behind it. Cause it's like, you're attacking my beliefs, you're attacking me, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess there's some reason to it because in politics, you know, based on who is in office, mm -hmm. something can impact us at a granular level mm -hmm. that is based on beliefs. Yeah, you know, and so that's and it and it impacts our daily life some in some ways. So there is more. It's more important, and that's why it's important for us to use our voice and mm -hmm. um, and to to be empowered in the way that we as citizens of the United States are empowered, and that's to enact that right to vote and some level of participation in that conversation. You know, um, we can complain about all these things but if we aren't a part of that solution you know that's that's not helpful either i mean politics is one of those taboo subjects like religion and sex and all the other you know things you're not supposed to talk about but that's what we're here talking about yeah <laughs> tackling tough topics tackling yeah. tough topics i can't even say it yeah. tackling tough topics it's hard to, that's why we said that because it's hard to say and that's i love it and that's just what it's like <laughs> Well, I think one thing I want to do to just really, how do we deal with this stuff? Mm -hmm. We'll probably have to do a whole other episode on really dealing with the conflict. And I think that's probably what we'll plan for next time and to have a part two to this. But for now, thinking about the importance of moving into a place of acceptance when we feel fear. When you find yourself feeling anger and frustration constantly, particularly about the same subject like politics, um, I, I know the person who submitted the comment was expressed some frustration and I guess we could say hypocrisy, mm -hmm. like some people propose to be of a particular type of person, but then they do these things that go against, mm -hmm. you know, that perception. And um, so the hypocrisy was very frustrating for this person. And, and I get it. It's because people are acting out of anger and having no compassion or empathy in these very angry heated moments. That's not to say that a person who feels anger does not feel empathy. That's not what I'm right. saying. Um, but it's easy to be emotionally reactive when you feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And if that is something that a person is feeling a whole, whole lot these days, which many of us are, first, we need to focus on what's within our control. 
What's the, Piper, the suggested uh, news consumption? Yeah, definitely what is in your control. Uh, limit your news. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, even if it's like, I know, like for me, I wake up early in the morning. So while I get dressed, I'll turn the news on and I try to find, you know, a station that's not biased between, you know, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever. And then while I'm getting dressed, I'll just kind of listen to it. But like once I'm out the door, that's it for the day. So that's a really good man self-discipline yeah yeah <laughs> well I like that <laughs> now I will say this this makes me think of this so some people I've read that anything more than three hours a day so, which includes social media consumption as well as news like tv news will um has a major impact on your level of anxiety so some of us are looking for the next COVID update the political update which hurricane is in the Gulf next? Um, I don't know what else. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, but some of us are set, are, like our baseline natural set point for anxiety is a little higher. Let's just say it's in that rigid zone or right at the border of rigid, right? Yeah. Um, that's our set point and that is what is normal for us. Oftentimes when people are, let's say, just struggle with anxiety in general, just generalized anxiety, um, if they don't focus on things to worry about, that's uncomfortable. To be relaxed sometimes for someone who, whose set point is more anxious is uncomfortable. And so sometimes they feed that by looking at whatever, doing the confirmation bias, the negative filter to feel anxious. Because some people have an unconscious need to stay at that set point. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's, if we think about politics and we think about that river um, and the political stress that we're dealing with right now, anybody who struggles with either anxiety or depression it may be exacerbated at this moment too. Um, you know, if I'm, and I'm more of a hypo arousal, which is the depression side of the chaos side of it. I feel more depressed in these times than anxious. Um, um, might, like some other person might, might struggle. So think, keep that in mind too, whatever you already struggled with pre-COVID and pre-election cycle might be exacerbated. And what is your set point? If you're generally anxious anyway, are you feeding that? Because you're, to, to not be searching for the next negative danger in our environment is uncomfortable. It feels unsafe. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind too, when we're dealing with that, sometimes we're feeding it because that's where our comfort level is. And maybe if you're tired of feeling that way, <laughs> How can we work on that? So that's where I'm thinking about moving into these feeling of acceptance. And how do you move into acceptance? Accepting that you're not actually feeling anger right now. That's protecting you from the underlying core emotion of fear. Nobody wants to feel fear, <laughs> but just get in touch with that and be okay with the fact that you feel fear. You're human, you feel fear. Um, if the anger is to the point where it's unhealthy, the frustration, you're just tired. That's the exhausting part. You're just tired of feeling that way, right? Um, it takes so much 
energy to feel anxiety and fear and anger. It's exhausting. And then we feed that with the exhaustion of the news. So just accepting these feelings of fear that this is a challenging year. It's been a challenging year. There's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know when COVID's going to end and we don't know, the election has a lot of uncertainty around it. Um, so just being okay with that, that's how you're feeling. And, and if we keep fighting that, it's exhausting and the stress from it, it's not helping our well-being. And then of course we can do all the other things that we do for self-care, like making sure we get enough sleep, um, some exercise. Exercise is really, really important when you're dealing with stress hormones really important. You don't have to go to a gym, just walking every day or something would be good. Um, and then connecting with people, social connection is really important. So if you isolate yourself, that's not healthy either. Anybody else have any other pointers for coping? I was thinking just kind of going off of what you said and kind of tying back into the poll that we did in the beginning, you know, part of the negative and the black and white thinking, you know, part of um, challenging that is to make it a point to try and identify the opposite. So, you know, look for the hopeful people, hang out with the hopeful people, you know, um, hang on to the hopeful things people have said. Um, so yeah, make sure you're feeling supported by the people around you engaging in that. And I also was thinking, you know, back to that question, you know, how to deal with people who think everything has to be political, you know, that's also wanted to touch on overgeneralization, which is another part of those cognitive distortions and those filters. And it's, it's easy to do that now, right? I'm kind of thinking this question leads me to believe there's a little bit of overgeneralization going on with everything I see is screaming at me, you know, to vote or, or to choose this party or whatever. I'm not gonna totally dismiss that because that is the climate we're in. However, I think, again, I'm real big on challenging the little things. Like if you go on Instagram or Facebook, not every post is about, you know, the election. There is some lady on there posting about a grandchild, you know? So just considering looking for those, the hopefulness, the things that don't completely align with that narrative of everything's bad or everything's this way, everyone's doing this. That's, that's just not true. So it's just looking for, I guess, you know, is that making it the opposition? No, it totally does. You and I have talked about our Instagram feeds and yes. I, I follow a lot of inspirational quotes. Yes. Because that helps me. Yeah. Um, I don't follow anything political on there. Mm -hmm. It's just where I save inspirational quotes um, and puppy, there's puppy stuff I follow too, you know? Yeah. And just funny stuff. Um, and that's part of my coping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's when you curate that, if you already kind of, we are already kind of getting this information in that we are, you know, being a little manipulated with these platforms. If you're having trouble getting off of it, I do tell people at least take more ownership over what you're seeing on there as much as you can. Like I populate mine with Britney Spears, with puppies, with, you know, whatever. And it's, it has made a difference since I've controlled it a little bit more. So between that and then limiting your exposure, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, there are others algorithms. And if yeah. they see that you look at a lot of political stuff, they're going to feed you more of it. So it's not yeah. just you feeding it. They're feeding. You. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm getting fed pop stars and puppies right now, and I'm happy. Yeah. So take a note. <laughs> <laughs> any, any other pointers from uh, Piper Alyssa? 
<laughs> no, I, I got a little lost in the conversation. I, well, <laughs> I know well, it's like social media. Sorry, sorry. No, no, <laughs> but um, I know just on Facebook, every time I open the app, I get a notification and about, you know, where to vote and um, turn in like, there is a way you can turn it off. Like I, you know, I went and I actually found out, you know, how to turn off the political ads and things like that. So you know, little things you can do um, like that, that will help. Yeah. I mean, again, we're going to be like a broken record and probably every episode and every time you meet me, it's going to be focus on what's within your control, you know, um, especially in these moments of uncertainty that are way bigger than us, um, for sure. I think next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about managing cultural clashes. So that could be the political stuff, those maybe, maybe a little how to deal with conflict, how to have more civil, engaging conversations with people who have differing point of views. Um, we'll probably get into just the you know, for, for college students who are new to college, that cult, that college uh, transition of just being around more diverse opinions than when you were growing up too, we're gonna get a touch on a lot of that. So keep your eye or ears out, email and YouTube um, for that next episode. We'll probably do that next week, maybe mm -hmm. something like that. So we appreciate you guys being with us. Um, what I would like to, to do is we have a few topics already to that we're gonna be working on for episodes so that, yeah, I don't know, maybe not this week, but we'll send out um, that anonymous question survey for you to, to submit your topics soon again. So keep your eye out for that. And with that, we are just gonna chime our ways back out. Say it out loud. Yes.